We thank you for this day and for the glory of, of you in our lives. That you've designed a family with father and with mother and with children. That we are your family, the church. And as we come now to your word, would you guide us? Would you teach us for your glory, we pray. slight battery issue. Obviously, we didn't have a mother in charge of the sound equipment, so <laughs> we, uh, we need to uh, know who's, who can get things done. The second grade science class was learning about magnets, and they were showing how, you know, magnets pick up nails and tacks and coins, and, and there they were, and near the end of the lesson, the teacher says, okay, it's time for review now. My name starts with M, and I pick things up, and the little boy in the front row said, you're a mother. <laughs> <laughs> Another lady was asked, you know, three kids, she's like, if you could do it all over again, you know, would, would you have kids? And she's like, yes, I would, but not the same ones. <laughs> <laughs> things only a mom can teach. My mother taught me about anticipation. Just wait until your father gets home. <laughs> My mother taught me about receiving. You're going to get it when we get home. <laughs> My mother taught me to meet a challenge. Answer me when I talk to you. Don't talk back to me. <laughs> My mother taught me logic because I said so. That's why. <laughs> My mother taught me medical science. If you don't stop crossing your eyes, they're going to freeze that way. <laughs> My mother taught me humor. When that lawnmower cuts off your toes, don't come running to me. <laughs> My mother taught me about genetics. You're just like your father. <laughs> my mother taught me about my roots. Were you born in a barn? <laughs> my mother taught me about the wisdom of age. When you get to be my age, you will understand. My mother taught me about justice. One day you'll have kids, and I hope they turn out just like you. <laughs> then you'll see what it's like. <laughs> my mother taught me about religion. You better pray that will come out of the carpet. <laughs> My mother taught me about the weather. It looks as if a tornado swept through your room. <laughs> My mother taught me about the circle of life. I brought you into this world, and I can take you out. <laughs> it's not politically correct uh, teaching here, obviously. But My mother taught me about behavioral modification. Stop acting like your father. <laughs> And my mother taught me about envy. There are millions of less fortunate children in this world who, would, who don't have wonderful parents like you do. <laughs> Mom. It's Mother's Day. And of course, we're going to talk about Superwoman, that uh, amazing woman that we find at the end of the book of Proverbs. But uh, just before we get there, you know, we, all of us you know, can, can, can have some memory of, of, of a mother. And, and I'm, I'm fortunate to be married to a great woman who is a wonderful mother. I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate to have my own, uh, my own mother was, was a solid, you know, and just anchored our home and, and fed us. I came home as a child to freshly baked buns and the butter would just melt onto that bun. And that's the only time those buns really tasted good was when they were fresh and, and with the fresh butter melting. And, you know, I, yeah, they just weren't the same, you know. But, but I mean, I, I know a lot of kids never had that and, and will never have that experience. And, and uh, of course, I, I, I benefited, you know, when I, met Elisa of also getting a great mother-in-law, and all those jokes don't apply to my mother-in-law. Only once did my mother-in-law ever, you know, kind of confront me. It was 
I was going to visit Lisa up at the farm there, and uh, they have a dog there that him and I didn't get along very good. And as I drove up the driveway, that dog was, was running beside the truck, and I just decided I'd just, you know, give it a little, you know, a little nudge, you know, just remind him, you know, who's boss, you know. And, and as I came to the door, my mother-in-law came out, and she says, were you trying to run over my dog? <laughs> and, uh, but thankfully, that's the only time we've ever had, I mean, that was an issue. I, mean, I was like, I was caught dead in my tracks. I was like, yeah, I, I was trying to hit your dog, and I won't do that again, I promise. And, and it was a great dog. It loved women, and it loved, it took care, it protected, you know, my mother-in-law and, and, and my wife and, and her, her sister, but it didn't like any men, and so, uh, and no exceptions. And so, anyway, that was the only time uh, <laughs> we had issues. But I'm, I'm thankful. I'm also thankful for those mo- women in my life that, that functioned as, as spiritual mothers. Uh, who invested and, and who poured into my life, who, who weren't biological. There's one lady in Russia, Tatiana Marmashev. You know, she, she, she has become like a mother to my family and to me, and, and she's invested in us. She's opened her home uh, with hospitality, and so we've, we've benefited from her. Are we good? I'm just going to switch this up here. All right. Thank you. Thanks, guys, for that. Good. So as we come to um, Proverbs 31, I, I call her Superwoman because sometimes you women have, have read this passage and, and wondered, who can actually be like that? And, and of course, all the men are just, you know, grinning because they just can't wait to get home and say, look, honey, you know, look where you're, you know, not quite making it, you know, the, the cut here. And, and of course, that's not why this was written. And, and it, you know, and really any man here that would suggest or try to use it that way needs to realize until you have achieved the standard of wisdom that the rest of Proverbs talks about in your own life, you cannot come to your wife and say, now it's your turn. You, you need to make sure that you live up all the first 30 ver- you know, chapters of Proverbs in your own life, and then maybe you have the right to come to your wife and say, hey, you know, let's work on this. But the reality is there's a picture here of this incredible woman in Proverbs 31, verse 10. It's the end of the book. We started at the beginning last week. Now we jump to the end, and he's like, and of all the things that the Solomon could have chosen to, to define and to picture wisdom, he picks a woman, the wife of a noble character. He could have picked a man, a king, a soldier, all these things, but he, he chooses a mother, this industrious, hardworking, diligent, faithful woman. He says, here is what wisdom and action looks like. Superwoman, the ultimate picture of wisdom and action. It's a picture not just for the mothers here. It's a picture for all of us. Uh, there will be application with relation to mothers at the end of this passage. But we can't look at this and think, this is not for me. In fact, one of the commentators said, actually, this is not written for women at all. This is written for the young men here that aren't married to say, hey, if you want to get married someday, this is what you need to look for. What we're going to find here is a very different picture than what the world would, would offer you. There is very little, in fact, no information about her physical attributes in this, in this section. Solomon has another book dedicated to that. <laughs> and uh, if you, you know, if, you know that, 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 he has a book, but that, that's not here. He says, if you want to see wisdom in action, we're not going to talk about you know, her figure, her size, her weight, her hair color, her makeup, her, I mean, he talks about her clothing, but not in terms of its seductive nature. It's very different picture than what you might see in the world and what the world might tell you to look for in a spouse. So young men, listen carefully as we look at Superwoman, the ultimate picture of wisdom 
in action. If you look at verse 10 there of Proverbs 31, he asked the questions, who can find a wife of noble character? Her value is far more than rubies. He said, you know, of all the things that you could pursue in life, he's saying, young guys, this one comes first. Like, you, you know, I know some guys think, okay, I'm going to make my money, I'm going to get established, I'm going to set myself up, and then I'm going to get married, and, you know, and then, then I can do those things. And he's like, look, guys, don't worry about money. Try to find this woman, the wife of a noble character. Of course, inherent in that phrase is this idea that the woman provides a spotlight on the man's character. So, man, if we don't have it, it's hard for her to attain to this standard if we aren't living a life of nobility and of character and of wisdom, as Proverbs says it. But he says, you know, her value is far more than rubies. And he goes on in verse 11, he says, the heart of her husband has confidence in her. He, he trusts in her. There's this interplay between the husband and wife, which, 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 which is based on, on this trust in each other. Now, the book of Proverbs is always telling us to trust in the Lord. But here at the end, when it comes to wisdom, it says, they have achieved such uh, intimacy in their, in their relationship that he can have full confidence in her. Waltke would say that this implies that they have enjoy a robust spiritual relationship. He trusts in her. And he has no lack of gain. She just is this gift that keeps giving and giving and giving. He talks about that in verse 12. It says, you know, she brings him good and not evil all the days of her life. Now some of you that are are newly married, may discover that when you bring a woman into your, into your life and in, into your home, that there are expenses that come with that. You know, you know what I'm saying? You know, like, as a young, as a single man, you, know, you can really keep that budget tight, but you, you add a woman to the mix, and it, boy, it really changes it up. I mean, I, I have a family member, and uh, he, I remember him complaining as a young teenager, and he was talking about he had gotten married, and the cost of toilet paper in his house was like was going up. Like he's like, I can't believe how much toilet paper we're going through now, you know. But he's the kind of guy that probably planned his movement for, you know, while he was at work, so he didn't have to use his own toilet paper, you know. One of those guys, you know, and 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 you know. And so sometimes we enter marriage, and there's a cost with it, and you know, women are not cheap, um, you know, and and that's. But the reality is, the perspective here is that there is this such great value in this woman that. The longer that he is with her, the greater the richness that he experiences in this relationship. She is an appreciating asset in his life. You know, she's not like that car you bought two years ago, and you take it back to the lot, and you're like, yeah, I paid 40000 for this now. How much are you going to give it to me? And they're like, oh, I'll give you ten. you You're like, what do you mean? Like, it lost $30,000 in value in two years? And oh, yeah, that's the way it goes, you know. And, and you know, but, but not this woman. The longer... You experience this relationship with this type of a woman. The richer, more valuable it gets. She brings him good, not evil, all the days of her life. And this is through every season of life. And the book of Proverbs, this idea of wisdom is such that, like, yeah, when you're newly married, there's a certain goodness and blessing that comes with a newlywed and, and all that comes with it. And then there's the, you know, as, a, as young children into the home and then, in, you know, in, in the empty nest era and every stage in between there is just this continual source of value and good and blessing that comes from having this type of woman in your life. She is an appreciating 
asset. She is incredibly valuable. And then he talks about her industrious nature. It's really interesting. I mean, this is the, this, this is like the patriarchal era. This is the era where women really didn't have a voice. I mean, you were, you were always lived in the shadow of your husband, and you kind of did what he did. You, did, you know, I mean, you were just kind of, you know, you know, off there. The men were, you know, the leaders and did everything. And, and yet here we find in the wisdom literature this, this woman that's incredibly industrious. Verse 13, it tells us that she obtains wool and flax, and she's pleased to work with her hands. Verse 14, she's like a merchant ships and she brings food from a farm and she's you know she's entrepreneurial she's making money she's trading she's you know she's involved in in business verse 15 she gets up while it's still night provides food for her household and a portion to her female servants she's uh, assigning the task for the day and she's making sure everyone's fed the lunches are lined up i mean here we here we have this woman that just she's she's organized she knows what's going on in the home and is prepared for it she considers the field verse 16 and buys it from her own income, she plants a vineyard. I mean, she doesn't have to go to her husband and ask him for a little bit of money, but, but she's, she's made enough money off her own industry that she goes and, and, and plants a vineyard. Verse 17, she begins her work vigorously. She strengthens her arms. Literally, the, the term in verse 17 is to gird your loins with strength. Maybe your translation says that. It's almost, it's a military in imagery. It's, it's, like, it's like she's, she's getting ready for battle, and she, and she is battling life to provide and to protect and to take care of her family. She's girding her loins with strength, and she strengthens her arms. This is not a weak, hide, you know, hidden in, in you know, barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen kind of woman. Like this, this is a tough mama. <laughs> She's trading, she's bartering, she's building up their, her own resources, she's planting vineyards, she's buying fields. I mean, you're like, wow, who is this woman? She's superwoman. She is using her skills to the glory of God and to the betterment of her family. Verse 18, she knows that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out in the night. Some people, you know, think of this, well, you know, maybe she's burning the midnight oil, but it also could mean this. If you were broke and poor, guess what? Your house was at night, dark. You ran out of oil, you just slept in the dark. But if you kept a lamp on all night, that meant that you had ample resources. And here she is, she's like, she's not worried, the lamp stays on, we're okay. There's security and stability in her home. It says in verse 19, her hands take hold of the distaff. And her hands grisp, grasp the spindle. And using two different words for the hand, I mean, he said, you know, she knows her trade and she excels in it. The reality is, like, you may not have the skills of this woman, but you have skills. God's given you abilities and you can use them for, for his glory. But this woman knows and she's like, I'm good at this, I'm going to do it. And, and, she takes, and she does it and she does it well. She's a master at her craft. But it's not just for herself that she does all these things. It's not just for the benefit of her family that she does these things. You see, this is the idea of wisdom in action. I mean, a lot of people do a lot of things for their own kids. I mean, that's, that's very natural, and that, that's just the way you were wired. But this, this woman's perspective and her vision and the needs around her extend beyond her immediate family, and she sees the needs of the community around her in verse 20. She extends her hands to the poor and reaches out her hand to the, to the needy. 
She doesn't just see her own family. Okay, I'm going to look after my own nest. She says, oh man, there's a, there's a kid next door that's hungry. There's, there's someone down the street that needs help. And she is looking for the opportunities to help others. I found some interesting examples of that. One lady, her name is Lu Jiaoyang. It's a Chinese name, obviously. She was a poor, uneducated woman who supported herself by scavenging through the trash in Jinhua, China. But starting in 1972, she adopted or rescued 30 babies she found in the trash. The chaos of the Cultural Revolution and extreme poverty, especially in the rural areas, meant that some parents dumped their unwanted babies in the garbage. These children need love and care. They're all precious human lives. Lou, who had one biological daughter at the time, began rescuing infants, told the press in 2012, I do not understand how people can leave such a vulnerable baby on the streets. That is the woman of wisdom who sees the needs and responds. Another example of this was Irina Sendler. She was a Polish employee at the Warsaw Social Welfare Department. She smuggled almost 2,500 Jewish children out of the Warsaw Ghetto during the Holocaust, saving their lives. Using the codename Jolanta, she gave these children false identification documents, established temporary non-Jewish identities for them, and placed them in convents, orphanages, and in Christian homes. Although the Nazis arrested her, tortured her, and sentenced her to ex execution, she survived because the Gestapo was bribed, she didn't give them any information about the whereabouts of the children or the inner workings of her smuggling operation. A mother of three kids herself, Sendler received Poland's Order of the White Eagle Award in 2003. I mean, these are extreme examples. I mean, it, it's the woman in Lloydminster who opens up her table to that kid who doesn't have a family that's eating at home. It's the family who has a you know, a couch in the basement where a kid can sleep who just finds himself without a safe place to sleep. It's, it's, that, it's that family that sees that single mom down the street and, and, and drops some groceries off at her house when she's not looking because they just know she needs a little bit of help. It's, it's the little things, but it's the big things. It's the people that see the needs around them. Not just the needs of their own children, but beyond that. And this woman sees the poor. She's working her hands, making money, helping her own family, but then she's also helping others with the work of her hands. It says in verse 21, she's not afraid when the snow for her household, for all of her household are clothed with scarlet. I mean, this was like the, the rich man's you know, clothing. I mean, she, she's got the best for her family. She doesn't fear the, the uncertain future that might come. And the, the snow that comes with it. If you go to Israel, I mean, it only snows there periodically. Sometimes you see a little bit of snow on Mount Hermon. The, they said the ski hill opens for maybe four to six weeks every year. But when it does hit, your homes aren't ready for it. Oftentimes you didn't have the clothing for it. But she is ready for it. It says in verse 22, she makes for herself coverlets. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. There's a certain dignity to this woman. A mystique. You don't find her shopping with her flannel pajamas in the afternoon. <laughs> Superstore. No, no, no. And, and I'm sorry if you do that. I just, <laughs> I, you know, I apologize. I just, um, I'm just saying, this woman of wisdom, uh, when she goes out, she's dressed for it. It's not seductive. 
She's not trying to capitalize or accentuate or show off the God-given things that God's given her. I mean, she is not about that. She's just about this dignity and honor. And you see her and think, there is a classy woman. Young ladies, this is what you need to aspire to. Uh, that men and women and people would look at you and say, there's a person of nobility, of class. And it's the class that God has given you that's inside and not outside. It's not based on your measurements or how low your shirt goes or how high your skirt goes. It's based on different things. And that's what we see in the book of Proverbs. This woman of, of character and class and nobility. She doesn't need to show off her, her assets to get attention. She has this inherent nobility and honor that just comes with her and it shows up in, in her clothing and, and just the way she carries herself. And then we find verse 23, kind of the center of the poem. Now understand, this is an acrostic. Uh, in, the, in the Hebrew, it doesn't really translate into the English the same way, but basically what they're going through here is they're going, A, well, mothers are awesome. B, mothers are beautiful. C, mothers are, are caring. D, mothers are delightful. I mean, that's what he's doing. It doesn't come across in the English, but in the Hebrew, every line starts with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Her husband, it says in verse 23, is well known in the city gate when he sits with the elders of the land. You know, her, her own character kind of reflects on her husband and, and, and brings honor to him, and, and people know who he is, and, and they know who she is, and, and, and they're kind of this dynamic duel. Behind every great man is a great woman. All of us stand on the shoulders of, of, of wives and and moms that have just cared and, and, and stand with us. And, and uh, he knows it. He's got a position of responsibility and leadership, but he knows that, that the character of his wife has helped him become the man that he is today. It says in verse 24, she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. But more importantly, verse 25, she is clothed with strength and honor, and she can laugh at the time to come. She looks at the future and says, I'm not worried about the future. God will look after me. He's looked after me this far. He'll look after me in the future. I don't care. I'm, I'm not concerned with that. This is the woman who has embodied wisdom. Now, this is hard for us. In North America, we worry about the future. We are the, one of the richest nations in the world, but we worry about the future. We, we constantly fret about it. And even for a mother, this is a hard thing because you think about your kids and you worry about them. And you should in, in a healthy way. But she looks at the future and she's like, you know, God will look after us. We're okay. And so throughout history, we, we've seen these, these women. I had a friend in college. His, his dad died when he was just a little boy. His mom had all these kids, and there was nine of them in the family. And she worked and worked and worked at a kind of a food processing job to keep her family fed and clothed. And, and, and he, you know, he's like, yeah, I remember in high school, I was out goofing off with the guys, and I came home, and, and there was my mom kneeling on the floor praying for me. Three of her boys went into pastoral ministry. I mean, a powerful and a strong woman who was not worried about the future for herself or for her children. It says in verse 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom 
and loving instruction is on her tongue. You know, the danger of getting old is that sometimes, you know, your mouth can get out of control. It happens at every stage of life. But this woman, as she, you know, reaches, you know, I mean, she's getting older and, and their wisdom is, is personified, has is, is become internalized in her life. I mean, wisdom just flows out of her mouth. And, and this godly, loving instruction comes out, you know, on, on her tongue. I mean, as you read through Proverbs, you'll see there's lots of stuff about the tongue. Lots of things. It, it tells women, you know, don't, you know, a nagging wife is a horrible thing in the book of Proverbs. You know, better to live in the desert than that, you know. And, and, but this woman is not like that. A gossip, a slander, and all these things. It talks about, you know, the, the dangers of the tongue and the, the sins and the evil that go along with it. But the woman of Proverbs 31, when she opens her mouth, it's just this sweet, flowing stream that comes out. Now, we all have our moments. I'm not asking for perfection here. But there's this thing, as you get older and more godly, that just your mouth becomes an instrument of blessing for all of us, men and women. She opens her mouth and boom, it's just like, wow, what great words. What, what loving instruction. That word for loving is, is, is the Hebrew word chesed, which is God's loyal covenant love. It's like her, her words are, are in, in immersed in scripture and, and brings biblical truth as she speaks to her family. Not in a preachy way, but it comes out naturally and just out of a heart that is in love with the God that she serves. It says in verse 27, she watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of wildness. I mean, she's taking looking after. She's not looking for free handouts. She, even though she doesn't need to, she continues to work and provide for her family. She's watching out for them. And then we get to the verse 28 kind of the climax almost of the, of the whole passage um, you know, this honor that, that she's due In verse 28 her children rise up and call her blessed her husband also praises her and here is what God wants for the home a place where we honor each other with our words and not tear each other down and sometimes you've got to work through your own issues, and maybe they come from other parts of your life, but, but you've got to get to the place where you can just bring life to those around you. And the problem is, when you live with someone for a long time, you know all their faults intimately. You can drag them down with just one little, little word and ruin their day, and they can ruin your day. And, but here, you just choose to, to, to love and to bless each other. And here, her children get up, and they bless her. If I can just say something to the young man and to the married man in this home, you, in this church, you need to teach your children to respect their mother. You need to teach your children to, to honor their mom and, and to not talk back to her and to, and to listen to her. That's, it's your job as men in the home to lead in that way and to say, you, need to, you don't talk to your mother like that. I remember staying in a home, a godly couple, and uh, the son was a teenager, just entering adolescence, and he had a little moment, one of those kind of, you know, puberty rages, and, and he called his mom, uh, a, you know, a word. It, it wasn't even a, a, appropriate, but it, it was just sort of this, uh, you know, a swear word he'd heard at, at school. He called it to her, and I happened to be just in the other room, and, and, and his dad's like, hey, go to your room. He went to his room. I didn't hear a thing, but they stayed in there a long time. <laughs> the son came out, and, and he apologized to his mom, and they went on. The, the battle wasn't over. It, it kind of went on, but the son knew in no uncertain terms, that that kind of terminology and attitude would not be acceptable in that home. Today, all those kids have great relationships with their parents. 
they get together for holidays. They love each other. There's this connection. But the father ensured that in this home, we will not treat the mo- our, our mother, the mother of this home, in that way. Her husband also praises her. You want your wife to aspire to this? Then treat her like this. If you criticize her, she's not going to become this woman. She's going to be like, you know, just you know, living under a shadow. But when you begin to, to praise and to pr- thank your wife and show her appreciation, you will be surprised what kind of woman she can grow into when you nurture what God has given her and blessed her with in her life. It says in verse 29, Many daughters have done vi- valiantly, but you surpass them all. Husbands, there's one woman in your life that is the best woman ever, and that's your wife. Don't ever compare her to anyone else. Keep your focus just narrow on her and her alone. I mean, this is what Proverbs says. You know, just the, the man who's discovered this type of woman says, man, there is not a woman that compares to my woman. You surpass them all. When you get young men to the point where you decide you're going to marry that woman that you've been dating, that you've been spending time with, that you've, you know, you know, talked about the future with. What happens at that moment is that you, you cut off every connection that you have with any other woman. You delete their contacts from your phone. You cease to text them. You don't be friends with them on Facebook, old flames from years ago. You, you just cut them off. And you say, I'm a couple now. If you want to connect with me, you connect with me and my wife. You surpass them all. And then it comes to verse 30, and this is the final kind of verse here. What I want you to understand here, this is how poetry works. It's like a painting. I don't know if you've ever seen someone paint. I mean, there's this show on TV where they have, you know, the British best artists, and they get these guys together, and in a short period of time, they're all supposed to create a painting, and then they judge it, and the the winner wins, you know, whatever, $100,000. And I'm watching this show, and it shows these guys painting, and they're painting like, they're all painting the same thing. They're looking at this park, with trees and swans and a river, and then, and then they're painting, and it shows what each one is doing. And I'm looking at the canvas, I'm like, I don't see that there. You know, like it's like lines and scrapes and this and that, and they're all doing you know, spongy little things, and I'm not an artist. So I'm looking at this, and I mean, this just looks like someone barfed on the canvas. You know? Like, what happened there, you know? And, but it's amazing. As you get to the final hour, suddenly the image just jumps out of that. And you're like, wow, there's the bridge, there's the river, there's the trees, there's the swan. Yeah, I see it all in their own unique artistic flair, but yeah, it's there. He's been painting, and, and we, we see different line strokes and brush strokes, and then it comes together here in verse 30. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. He's like, I started with this in chapter 1, I'm ending it with it in chapter 31. The key to being a superwoman is to fear the Lord. And the fundamental part of that is this relationship you have with God. And for us in the New Testament era, here with Jesus and the cross and the empty grave, the reality is through personal faith in Jesus Christ, we enter that type of relationship of, of fearing the Lord, of, of connecting with God in a, in a real way. We move up and out in new life in Jesus Christ. And, and this woman has discovered that. He's like, you know, you can find a pretty face. You can find a, 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 a good-looking person, but, th- but that, that just doesn't last. But this lasts forever. A woman who fears the Lord will 
be great. It says in verse 31, give her credit for what she's accomplished and let her works praise her in the city gates. So the application actually is for us, not for the moms here today. The application is, is for us, is to say, are you giving your mother credit? As husbands, am I giving the mother in my home, and my wife, the credit for what she is accomplishing and has accomplished? And let everyone know about what a great mom you have. Your mother, your wife, give her the credit for what she has done. Let her works praise her in the city gates. The key to this woman's life is that she has discovered the way God has made her and has discovered that latent potential that exists within all of us, that, that only a relationship with God opens up. And she's, as she's discovered a relationship with God and walking in wisdom and how God has made her, she puts to work the skills and abilities that God has given her and, 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 and the relationships that he has blessed her with. And she uses all of that for, for God's glory. And in, in, in essence, wherever she goes, people discover blessing her children, her husband, the poor, the community, you know, the merchants. I mean, she is just this woman that wherever she goes. Why? Because she has discovered the key of relationship with God. We all have this latent potential in our soul that is only unlocked when we have a relationship with God. And what makes this woman superwoman is because she's connected to the creator of the universe who is all-powerful, and, and he blesses and works in and through her life. And the reality is he wants to do that with all of our lives. You may not be a person that spins linen, but you could cook food. You can hospitality. You can fix cars. You can build things. I mean, we all have something to give that God has given to us that we can use to bless Others, all of us. So it's not just about superwoman. It's about this amazing God that takes ordinary people like me and you, and as we discover this relationship with God through Jesus Christ, he takes our lives and begins to use it in extraordinary ways. This woman started out like all of you women did. A young girl with potential. And God looks down at all of us and thinks, yeah, I've, I've failed, I've made mistakes, I've blown it. You don't know my track record, Pastor Mike. I don't, I don't need to know. God knows your track record. But today I'm telling you, he's offering everyone an opportunity to, to take the step in wisdom and to come into relationship with him and say, let me use your life. Let me bless your life and let me use your life to be a blessing to others. That's why we're here. He sent Jesus to be a blessing to others. He keeps us here as followers of Jesus to be a blessing to others. This church exists to be a blessing to others, to help people move up and out in new life in Jesus Christ. An important component of that is mothers. That's kind of the side sermon here. But today we want to honor the women, but I want to just invite anyone here that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior that today God has potential just in your life that, that he wants to unlock as you come to faith in Jesus Christ. As you discover the, the purpose and the life of wisdom that he has intended for all of us, that we too can find this transformative experience and be, be, you know, be, be defined in such a terms as, as only God can do in a person's life and say, man, what, what a great person. Well, how does that happen? Because God does this work in our life and we use what he has given us for him. Put it to work. You have a home, open it up. You have a table, feed someone. 
You have an ear, listen to someone. Care for someone. It's not rocket science. It's little by little, bit by bit, us living the life God intended for us to live. And so today, I leave it there, but I want to just bless the moms here. And the team's going to come up and lead us in a closing song, but I'm just inviting you to stand with me if you do. And if there's a mom in your family close to you, uh, your wife, your mother, I want you just to put your hand on her, grab her hand, whatever it is, hand on her shoulder. If you want to move closer to your mother, you can do that. If your mother's not here, we could pray for her. But we want to pray a blessing upon our moms today. And uh, just thank God for you and just commit your work into his hands as you bless your family and this church. And so uh, would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for these moms, that you've given significant responsibility to you, Lord. We pray your blessing upon them, that you would fill them with wisdom, help them to know how to speak to their children, to their husbands, to their neighbors, to the principals, to the teachers at school. Lord, give them a heart of love and compassion. Help them, O Lord, in their moments of anger and frustration. Lord, ground them in the word of God and may they be godly women. May their husbands and their children find great delight in the security and stability that they bring to their homes. And so, Lord, we pray today a special blessing on every mother in this room. And the mothers that are in this room, Lord, we thank you for them. Thank you for providing for us this incredible resource of mothers. And now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his count upon you, give you his peace. We pray this in Jesus' name.